Hello all and welcome to a special edition of the Game Time CT Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Baguaga. This week, we decided to bring together all of our beat writers uh, to have a nice little sit-down conversation about the fall season, how their specific sports are going in this weird new fall that we have in this country and in this state regarding sports. Uh, Obviously, we normally have our weekly soccer podcast just for kicks with Scott Erickson and Joe Morelli as they are our boys and girls soccer beat writers. Um, so this week we wanted to, to give a little love to the other sports. On this show, we have girls volleyball beat writer Dave Stewart, field hockey writer Dan Nowak, girls swimming writer Dave Fierro, and boys and girls cross-country writer Will Aldum, all on the show. So without further ado, I'm going to throw it to our first interview with girls volleyball beat writer Dave Stewart. Joining me now is Game Time CT's girls volleyball beat writer, Dave Stewart. Dave, how are we doing today? We're doing all right, you know, getting through the season. Hopefully we get to the end. I (laughs) I mean, that's kind of, that'll be our first point. Uh, We're obviously going to talk girls volleyball here, but getting to the end and getting through the season, I mean, what have you seen so far, you know, being out there at matches that um, is different than most years, I guess? Well, you know, obviously there's there's been a lot of differences. They have a lot of I've been to a few games where they don't even have spectators in the stands, and and some they have uh, you know they'll have a limited amount, usually parents and, and things like that. People are socially distanced in the stands, so that's kind of weird not hearing the cheering and or as much cheering as in the past. And of course, the the big thing is wearing masks. You know, the kid, the the players. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk about the mask, but you know, spectators right off the bat. Yeah, it has been a little weird. I, I got to go to a, uh, one volleyball match, and uh, it was down to Trumbull, and they allowed. I think it was just senior parents, very mm-hmm. spread out, and like there was a timeout, and all of a sudden you could hear the coach loud and clear talking to their team, and I was like, yeah, yeah. I've never heard that before. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you do hear everything, and I think. And, um, you know, for the community, it's, it's interesting because the communication on the court, you can hear what the, what the girls are talking about, what the, what, you know, what their strategy is and what, what they're trying to accomplish out there a little more than you could if you were in like a, uh, a noisy gym. So in that way, it's actually kind of, kind of cool. Um, I'm sure they'd rather have the fans there though, you know, cheering them on. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, there's no secrecy. You can't like, you know, hide any secret plays. Cause just, yeah, that's right. Obviously, you mentioned masks. Um, Dave just wrote a, a really good story on GameTimeCT.com about, you know, players having to play in masks. And it's interesting. And, it like, I, you know, granted, I'm not in my best shape um, that I was, you know, when I was in high school. <laughs> but, you know, you wear a mask for a long period of time. I was out at a soccer practice in the heat with a mask on. And, like, 20 minutes in, I was like, oh, my God, this is, this is terrible. You know, yeah. hot, like, I can't imagine playing in it. You know, what were some of the responses from the uh, from the athletes about having to play with a mask on? Well, well, first of all, I think I think volleyball kind of lends itself to wearing the mask because, you know, if you were a cross-country runner or a soccer, a soccer player, even a basketball player, you're doing a lot of sprinting or long-distance running. And I think that type of activity with the mask on would just be too much. Um, 
you know, in, in volleyball, it's a lot of stops and starts up and down. You're not running, you're not running long distances. Obviously the court's only so big. And, um, you know, so I think it lends, it's one of the sports that lends itself to wearing a mask like that. And, and the one thing I've, I found while talking to the players and the coaches is I feel, and this goes with a lot of things is that I feel like the kids are handling that type of thing better than the adults. If you, if you know what I mean, the kids seem to be like, this is, you know, I think it was Vanna Servos from the uh, from West Hill, their setter, um, one of our top 25 players to watch, uh, was her comment was that they're wearing it while they go to the supermarket. They're wearing it in schools, um, you know, all the, all the time. So they're used to it. So this is just an extension of that. You know, granted, it's, a, it's different. You, you'd rather just you'd be able to, you know, talk normal, you know, um, and not wear the mask and everything. It would probably be more a more free feeling. But you know, they, they, they're comfortable with it in school, so they're comfortable with it translating to the court. And I think the, the kids were willing to do what they had to do to get the matches played because they were in danger of losing the season. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine outdoor volleyball? Like, yeah, yeah. in <laughs> summer it's cool and it's fun, but, I mean, playing on a turf field or playing on the grass on the school grounds, like, I don't know whose idea it was, and it might have just been like, let's just throw out ideas to keep it alive. But mm-hmm. who was like, you know what? This sounds like a great idea. Like, I, I think the reaction immediately was like, outdoor volleyball, really? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, the, the yeah, the masks, the masks compared to outdoor volleyball, masks are much more viable than than plant because because one of the things I think I talked to Doug Marchetti was over at Norwalk, the AD over there, and he said they tried setting up the equipment the netting on the turf. The problem is it tilts, you know, it's, it's actually becomes more dangerous to be outside in those conditions than it does to be inside wearing a mask. Um, so it, it's, it, it, you know, just, I don't think the outdoor outdoor thing was ever going to really take off uh, that, that well. And, and, you know, I know some teams practiced that. I know there were a lot of teams that even teams that were allowed to practice indoors were doing conditioning outside which makes sense. And then they would go back inside for drills um, when they had to be on, on the court. And, um, you know, I, th- I think that worked, but I don't think outdoor volleyball is really going to be a viable option yeah. in the long run. I, I think it was more of the, here's an option, but let's find a better one. Let's, you know, here's one to keep it afloat right now um, and then move forward through there. So the season's, I think, almost done right now. Um, for most of the springs, uh, for most of the fall sports, I believe yeah. um, that volleyball has surpassed the forty percent mark, so they won't be eligible to play in that pseudo weird spring season. Yeah, um, most teams have five to seven games played right now, so yeah. they're they're there. So they're past that. So, you know, if everything holds well, um, postseason, there's not going to be state titles this year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of upsetting uh, because I love the state tournaments because I love to see a team, you know, last year, like Ludlow and West Hill were like two of the best teams in the FCAC, and they're going up against Guilford and Amity and Cheshire, mm-hmm. like the teams in the SEC. They might not meet in the regular season, but this year, you know, you have to make do with what you have. And uh, But it looks like we'll get some conference tournaments at the end of the year. Is that correct, Dave? Yeah, they're having they're they're doing um, regional pods. So if you're wherever your region is, you're not going outside of your region, but you're going to be playing. So you're going to be basically playing the teams you've played this year to determine a um, a, you know a 
the, a pod winner, so to speak, or a region winner. I think I think one of the Darian um, actually doing a field hockey game, and one of the Darian field hockey players referred to it as their it's their tiny league, but they want to be the best in that tiny league, you know. So some, something along those lines. And, you know, we spoke at the beginning, and a lot of the coaches and the players were like, "We're just happy to be playing." So we were like, "That's great." Yeah. But after like a week, the competition's going to kick in, and you're going to want to win. Mm-hmm. And it looks like as we get closer to those um, postseason experiences, as the CIAC politely put it, then I think we're going to see that competitive edge be like, all right, cool, we played. But now we want to win and we want to be the best of that area, of that group. Yeah. And, you know, you, you play what's in front of you. That's, that's basically it. You know, it's, it's whether you're playing – you know, whether you're playing somebody that's, uh, you know, if you're down in Fairfield County and you're playing somebody from the SCC or upstate and the CCC, that, that's really good. You know, that those are great matches, but if you can't play them, hey, Greenwich and Darianne right now are both undefeated and they play each other twice at the very end of the regular season. Those, those games will feel like playoff games. And then, you know, those are two really good teams with very good players on them. So it'll be, that'll be interesting. Who are, you know, you speak of some really good players. Who are some, um, uh, you know, obviously we had our top 25 players to watch list at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who are some of those girls who have were on your list but have also, you know, made you look good by putting you on the uh, – Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, I'll, I'll go right back to that Greenwich-Darian thing. There's there's uh, Lily Salibi and, and Cornelia Roach from um, Greenwich and um, Aaron Bowman from Darian uh, Jr., they, they've all played outstanding. Both of their teams are undefeated, and they've got the two matchups back-to-back coming up at the end of the year. So that's going to be really cool. Both of those teams are playing really well. Um, you got Guilford, of course, with, with Emma Appleman, who last year's SEC Player of the Year. And I, I, I think that most people would argue she's the best player in the state this year as a senior. And they've got Juliet Young, who's a great libero. They've, they're undefeated, and they haven't dropped a set yet this year. So – you know, that, that's a that's a team that's a team that's playing well this year and it's great that they um that they're getting their matches in but you wonder what they could have done you know it, i mean they won the they won the SEC for the first time i think it was in 25 years last year and they had their two best players coming back as seniors they're having they're having really good um you know they they just they just had a really good team and this could have been like an outstanding year. You, you know, you never want to say somebody's going to go undefeated over like a twenty-game season. But you know what? Hey, they would be one to put money on if 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 you were going to pick them. But um, you know that that that's an unfortunate. That was unfortunate. They're not getting a full season like that. There's also Ram, um, R H A M, which is up there. They're now the Raptors too, which is actually a very cool name. Um, and nickname. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and they, but they're playing really well, and they've got, uh, you know, girls like Kaylin Hadley was on our uh, top 25, What, you know, but they've been winning. They've been winning that CCC for years now. They're a contender every year. They're also playing really well. Cheshire's playing well. Um, and Bristol Eastern um, had an outstanding year last year, and this year they had they had three, three seniors back, who uh, Zoe Lowe, Riley Floyd, and Leah Chipman, who's a setter, um, and they were all the Under Armour All-American watch list. So they had three players on that team on that watch list. And they're, they're, doing, they're doing really well, too. And, um, you know, I guess the only unfortunate thing is you don't know what would have happened had they had the whole state opened up to them, you know. They'd be, you know, and you see what they do in those uh, conference and state tournaments at the end of the year. Yeah. 
Uh, Dave, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I really do appreciate it. And hopefully we'll do this again um, as we get you know, closer to the postseason experiences or maybe just wrapping it up because I know it's a weird year. Uh, you know, thank you for everything that you do for us and, and for girls volleyball. But um, let's, you know, hope we get to do this again soon. Sure. Any, any time, you know, season's flying by. It's crazy. Yeah, it really is. I mean, we did start in October, so. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Pete. Once again, thank you to Dave Stewart for jumping on to talk a little girls volleyball. I think girls volleyball has the biggest difference in terms of what the sport looks like this year with the players having to wear masks. But that said, they're still able to play, so it's a good thing. Move on to a sport that uh, doesn't have a lot of differences this year in a sport that everyone thought would go off without a hitch this fall, and that's cross-country. So we're going to throw it over to our interview with Will Aldum. Now joining me on the show, we have Game Time CT cross-country beat writer, Will Aldum, in his first year as a cross-country beat writer. Uh, Will does a bunch of different things for us, but this is the first year you have a beat. And uh, right off the bat, I mean, how, how has that been so far for you? It's been good. Um, you know, it's a little different, obviously, like all the other sports are. Um, you know, the masks and everything, usually cross-country is a bit more of a social event and kind of less so this year. But uh, I'm enjoying my first year on the beat. Nice. Well, cross-country is a is one of the fun ones. Yeah. I, I mean, I loved going to uh, the state meets and the state open meets where they're like, they have all the tents set up and it's like a, mm-hmm. like a mini music festival, right? Yeah. And uh, obviously this year, it's kind of not like that. You can't really, you really do anything like that. But you've gone to a handful of meets. Uh, mm-hmm. What have you seen mask wearing or spreading out at the starting line? Anything new that kind of jumps out to you? They're like, whoa, that's different. Yeah, so they have, I mean, the staggered starts are noticeable. They got the whole teams kind of in separate groups at the start, which uh, is kind of funny because 10 seconds later, they're all, you know, together anyway. But still, uh, I understand the precautions. But, uh, you know, the masks are definitely the most noticeable thing. But when I've talked to coaches and everyone else about it, they all say uh, it's not that big of a difference. I would say the biggest difference for a lot of the athletes would be the lack of stands and family at some of the locations. But uh, other than that, for most of them, I think it's been pretty normal. That's, that's good to hear. Um, I, could you explain the, you know, the staggered starts? I mean, I, I know what it is, but I've never seen one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for the other people who might not know, like me, right. I don't know what that means. What, uh, what does it really look like or what does it try to accomplish? So at least at the meets that I've been to, it's just been, you know, with multiple teams there, you basically you get all your runners from one team kind of on this side of the finish line, you got more runners, uh, you know, on the other team in the middle and then a group of runners on the, the other side. And it's, uh, I mean, I'm assuming, you know, it's supposed to just keep social distancing, you know, prevalent, but uh, it's really, that's all it is. It's just, you know, starting with your team rather than all in all as a group together. So how does that work for times though? Like, do they just start their times 10 seconds later? Uh, no, they're starting at the same time. They're literally just starting like not exactly next to each other. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, but then they all mesh anyway in the middle. Exactly. Oh, whatever. We we don't get paid to make those decisions. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but is there because 
when when this was all when everything was going on over the summer about what's going to happen with fall sports, what are fall sports going to look like? It felt like everyone was like, yeah, well, cross country's fine. Mm-hmm. Like it's outdoors. There's not a lot of contact, and right. there is some when you're in those packs and you're trying to get around. And I, you know, you get to the finish line. If it's close, it gets you know real, you know, physically close as well. Mm-hmm. Cross country always just seemed to be like everyone just assumed that we were going to have cross country. What what has been some of the feelings from the coaches and players? Like, were they ever in doubt that this might not happen for them this year? So, yeah, most of the coaches I've talked to have been, you know, they've talked a little bit about uh, their concern over the summer about, you know, the uncertainty of what was going to happen. But uh, they also have acknowledged that it is a low-risk sport. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, you're not necessarily – there's no contact, you're not touching anyone. And if you're really good, you're, you're are distancing yourself. Yeah. Like, if you're, Gavin, if you're Gavin Sheary, you don't have to worry about being near anyone. No. <laughs> After the beginning, you're all set. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of unknown, you know, coming with it, as with every other sport. But uh, I think cross-country was going to happen, and everybody kind of knows it. Well, you know, we, I've just brought up Gavin, uh, uh, Sherry, Connor. I think you could safely say he's the best, you know, boys runner in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, but who are, who are some other, you know, boy or girl runners who have really – kind of picked up where they left off or, you know, really maybe coming out of nowhere and, and raising a few eyebrows. Well, on Connor, obviously, I mean, not only do they have the best runner in the state as in Gavin, but uh, they might have the best team in the state for guys. Uh, I mean, you got Tyler Remagino and his brother, twin brother, Callum Sherry, uh, just absolutely, you know, would be the best runners on almost any other team if it weren't for Gavin. So uh, they're, they're really up there. Um, Xavier is a team that's been kind of for boys has been always, always so good. Yeah. Uh, led by Eamon Burke, who uh, just finished third at the Garden State Track Club High School Showcase in New Jersey. Wow. But that whole team's doing well. Um, from the girls' perspective, I've been going to a lot of SWC and I'm uh, New Milford just uh, beat Newtown, who was the defending SWC champs. And as we know, there's only uh, at like uh, conference championships there won't be states or anything else so the SWC championship will be big for them uh Claire Daniels for New Milford is very leading good. that group very good uh, but then she's also got you know some competition in the SWC with Ava Graham over in Bethel and uh Kate Weiser in Pomperog so Kate some of the top Weiser. ones I I mean I've done the state open I've done the states and the state opens the last couple of years and uh it's wild. I, you, you, these names, like, I feel like in cross country, it's like, if you're good, you're good as a freshman. Oh, yeah. Right? And then you're good as a sophomore and you get better. Yeah. I just, you know, you hear the name, you know, Claire Daniels from New Milford. I've heard that for literally the last three years. Kate yeah. Weiser, the same. Obviously, Gavin up at Connor. Um, you know, the Xavier kids are always good. I know. Uh, is the Greenwich girl, uh, Noble, Noble, she's still there? Yeah, she's she's won every race. I think she's running this year. Nothing's yeah, happened. she won the state open last year. I know K K K Weiser was a little banged up, but I mean Noble won the class meet and then the state open meet. Like and these are just names that just stay. Yeah, you're just good. It, I feel like it's different than like you know when you're like a football player, or baseball or softball player, girls basketball. You like get that opportunity as like a junior and only like the really really good like one maybe one but you look every year and it's like they're a freshman who come out of nowhere in cross country and you're like they're really good and you might have been really good last year but this freshman's way better than you you know just like stuff like that it's like they always kind of pop up yeah. uh, they're 
I mean, obviously it's a little different this year, so we won't really get to see it on a competitive state level uh, mm-hmm. across the way, but it's always fun. I, I, I think I'm going to miss those state meets for uh, cross country this year. Yeah, it's disappointing. We won't get those this year for sure. Yeah. Uh, Will, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. I really do appreciate it. Everyone go give Will a follow on Twitter. He's our new cross country guy, and he's crushing it. So thank you, Will. I really appreciate the time, as always. Awesome. Have a good one. Yeah, you, you too, man. Later. Bye. Once again, thank you, Will, uh, for joining the show. Uh, cross country, outdoors, staggered starts, keeping everyone separated, though Will even said, like, it only lasts for a couple of minutes as they all kind of smush together anyway, like they always do at a cross country race. But nonetheless, cross country off to a good start. Uh, now we're going to throw it over to our interview with Dan Nowak uh, in regards to how field hockey looks in the state this year and how everything is going. Now uh, we'll give a listen to that one. Now joining me on the show, we have Game Time CT field hockey beat writer, Dan Nowak. Dan, how are you today, my friend? Pretty good. How you doing? Good. Hanging in there. Um, you know, we're full-fledged right now into this fall season. Uh, I feel like most of the teams have surpassed, in most of the sports, have surpassed that 40% mark of games played, uh, which I think is good. Um, it shows that, you know, these sports can be played. We have had some shutdowns. Um, but you know, a lot of teams have been able to get out there and play. Now, field hockey, field hockey was, was, was always an interesting sport for me because I don't know any of the rules, and uh, the rules seem really, really hard. But other than the, the rules, which you talk to anyone about field hockey, they're like, it's so much fun, but, like, I don't understand the rules. There are differences this year because of COVID, because of, you know, test, uh, positive tests in school shutting down. What has been the biggest difference for you being at games this year? Well, the biggest, the biggest difference between the lines on the field is the fact that they've gone from half from halves to quarters this year. Um, they followed the, uh, the state has followed the college uh, route and uh, they, they now play quarters. I mean, that's probably the biggest thing. Wow. Uh, the other thing, uh, the other thing is uh, on the sidelines. I mean, you got the you got the mask wearing, you got the social distancing. Now I've been to a, f- a few games now, and uh, it's interesting how much the coaches are really in tune to this. Uh, I went to the Cheshire uh, Brantford game, and both coaches made sure that you know the, the the athletes on the sidelines were six feet apart, wearing masks, and when they weren't, they were chastised for it, uh, and. Uh, you know, it seems to be working. Uh, as you know, North Brantford was hit preseason with COVID, yep. and their season was delayed a bit. Uh, so they've only got like two or three games in. But, uh, you know, uh, for the most part, you know, the way this thing pandemic is pandemic is uh, affecting everybody nationwide, I mean, for the most part, field hockey is going off pretty well. You got teams with six, seven, eight games in already, which is pretty Pretty that's good. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome to say. I mean, you know, we uh, we spoke, um, you know, in the preseason, all of us at game time, like mm. all, all the coaches are like, oh, we're just happy to play. And the girls are, right. the athletes are like, hey, we're happy to play. Have you seen as they play five or six games and they have this potential um, uh, postseason experience, have you seen like kind of a turn where it's like, all right, we're happy that we're playing, but now we want to win games? 
Yeah, the winning the winning is is still important for them. But the bottom line, Pete, I'll tell you, I mean, they're just happy to be out there. They yeah. see what happened to football, and uh, you know, every every indication I get talking to players, talking to coaches, they they take it the you know quarter to quarter, game to game, even practices. I mean, uh, they're just psyched about being able to, you know, even even though in practices they're still doing this this pod thing where they only have 10 or 11 athletes, uh, you know, in an area, you know, where they're, where they're practicing. But uh, just to be out there, they're happy. But I, I'll tell you, that some of these teams, I mean, you got 15 teams that are unbeaten. <laughs> uh, in field hockey, which is, I mean, at this stage of the game, I mean, that that's – you know, that's new. And you got teams that are that are off to some of their best starts. I mean, Sacred Heart Academy is five and oh. I mean, that's one of their best starts. I mean, uh uh and uh you know you got two time class M defending champion just doing the same old thing. They're five and one. Uh they got beat by Cheshire the other day. Um but uh you know uh for fuel hockey uh it's uh it's, Status quo is about as much as status quo can be. I mean, uh, you know, dealing with all this, there are the protocols like all the other teams. Before the games, you have to go through a 10-point uh, protocol check. Uh, they get their their fever tested. They're, you know, tested for fever, temperature. Uh, so they go through all this check checklist. And uh, so far, from what I've heard, from what I've, you know, you know, talking to people, no one's actually been sent home. No one's, you know, uh, there were a couple people that were in quarantine preseason, but uh, that's kind of gone by the wayside now. But so far, knock on wood, field hockey's going well. Nice. Who are, um, you know, you mentioned a couple of these teams that are 5-0, and but who, who are some teams that have kind of surprised you with their hot start? Well, uh, uh, to be honest with you, uh, in the uh, uh, SWC, there's with some of these regions that they have, some of the big time rivalries aren't there. Like in the FCAC, Darien and Staples are in different regions. Yeah, they're not playing each other. In the SWC, you got Immaculate and you got uh, Pomparag in, in different uh, regions. Uh, you know, that's that's a pretty big rivalry. But you, you got Barlow, who's five oh oh one and one. And that's got to be one of their best starts. I mean, uh, Barlow, uh, you know, has a couple, uh, has a hot goalie, uh, Megan uh, McCarthy, uh, has been playing well in goal, and Mar uh, Mara uh, Carbone has been one of their top uh, offensive players. So, you know, you got, you got Barlow, you got Trumbull at 2-0. and uh, They've only had two games in, but, uh, you know, they got, you know, they got off to a pretty good start this year. And, you know, they're, you know, these teams aren't, Tough divisions and typically, uh, you know, uh, you know they have some rough starts. But these teams are, are starting strong this year because you see some of the other stronger teams in different regions, which I, I'm, I'm sure you're seeing in, with other sports as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, who have been some of the girls that you had on your top 25 list that are making you look like a genius by having them on there? <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> No, you put together the perfect list, man. <laughs> uh, this this girl from Newtown, uh, Kate, uh, Katie Goida, uh, mm -hmm. is on that list, and she's got Newtown off to a seven and zero start. I mean, she, she's uh, committed to go to Bryant, 
to play at Bryant. And she's actually the daughter of the coach, Ellen Goida. And uh, she's got over, uh, you know, 20 points so far. And uh, they're, they're, they're just uh, beating everybody convincingly uh, uh, in the SWC in the, in the uh, region that they're in. And uh, uh, the, other, uh, the other girls, I mean, uh, you got the two Guilford, uh, one, they got the Guilford 1-2 scoring punch of Hannah Tillier and, and Maddie Epke. Uh, Maddie Epke is a phenomenal athlete. Uh, yeah, and you got Tillier, who is the last year's Register All Area MVP, <laughs> and uh, you know Guilford is off to five and one. Um, they lost to their SEC rival Cheshire the other day, uh, but uh, uh, Guilford had a rematch with Hand, uh, which they met in the uh, Class M Championship game last year, and Guilford uh, came up with another win there. Um, I believe that score was three to one over Hand, uh, but. Uh, you know, I mean, all these girls. I mean, they're all they're, they're all really uh, uh, doing doing really well. Uh, and uh, I mean, if I can mention a couple of them. Um, yeah. Girl from uh, 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 Stonington, uh, Ella, Ellie, Cor I want to make sure I got this right. <laughs> K O R I N, yeah, Cornet, and uh, she is uh, the top scorer. For Stonington and Stonington is off one of the, you know, in ECC they're they're typically one of the strongest teams, and uh, you know they're off to a six and one start, and it's because of her. And uh, North Brantford off to a three and zero start. Uh, Kelly Jacobson is, uh, was on the top twenty five list, and she's their top scorer. Uh, she's been doing really well. And uh, Cheshire, uh, Cheshire's the team in the SEC uh, right now at 6-0. and uh, Cheshire's beaten Guilford, uh, beaten uh, Hand, and uh, Lauren, if I'm saying that correctly, uh, for Cheshire, she was on the top 25 list, and she's, she, she's been on fire. She's been scoring. She's been playing on well on defense. Uh, Eileen Wilderman is high on her. And... Uh, you know, she's, uh, she's really, uh, you know, leading uh, a, a very strong, deep Cheshire team this year. Last year, they struggled a little bit. They had uh, you know, lost a lot of players and uh, a lot of inexperience. But this year, they got experienced players. I mean, they're playing well on, uh, you know, every phase of the game. So Cheshire's got, it, got a strong start, and it's because of uh, Lauren Hull. Nice. Well, Dan, thank you so much for joining me. I really do appreciate the time. I know you're very busy. Uh, and shout out to all the girls on the top 25 who, who, make, who are making Dan look good so far. But, uh, <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, like I said, it's amazing with field hockey. I mean, the way that, you know, these, these girls are, are really embracing sport, maybe more so this year than last year be, than, than any other time because of this COVID. And they really appreciate the fact that they're out there. I don't know if that's the sense you're getting, you know, with, with coaches and players too. Yeah, no, it, it really is the sense of just being really happy that they can be out there and it's really great to see. Yeah. You know, Dan, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll hopefully be able to get to do this another time before the year ends. Sure. Appreciate the time. Nice talking to you. Take it easy. Yeah, you too, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. Once again, thank you, Dan, for joining the show. Really appreciate it, as always. Uh, field hockey, though, is a sport that 
I mentioned in the, in the interview, I, I don't understand the rules. I think it's a fun sport and there's a lot of action when it gets going. I just, I just don't know the rules to, to, to know truly what is really going on. Uh, but it's a really fun sport to cover. And I'm sure it's a lot of fun to play though. I'm told there are no lefty sticks in field hockey, which is a problem because I play lefty in hockey. So I would imagine that I'd be a lefty in field hockey, but there's no left-handed sticks. So I don't know how I would do there. And in our final interview, we have Dave Fierro joining us to talk about girls swimming. Unlike volleyball, there's not a lot of change in the actual playing of the sport of swimming or swimming and swimming, as opposed to volleyball where they wear the masks. But virtual meets are a big thing this year, and they are quite interesting to cover, to compete in. So uh, Dave and I talk about virtual meets and any other differences going on in swimming and some of the best swimmers in the state and uh, even get into a little Olympic talk as well. Uh, enjoy. Now joining us on the show, we have Game Time CT swimming beat writer, Dave Fierro, in what is one of the most different, I think, out of any of the fall sports, I know volleyball is wearing masks, um, you know, but I think the biggest difference right now in fall sports is swimming. And because of that, and the reason because of the reason I think that is because of virtual meets. So we're just going to dive right in. You know, Dave used that earlier, pun intended. We're going to dive right in to these virtual meets. But Dave, first off, how are you? Thank you for joining me. I'm well, thanks, Pete. How are you? Thanks for having me today. Yeah, yeah uh, good. I'm, I'm really glad we're, we're able to do this and, uh, you know, kind of shed some light on, on all the other sports as well. But I, I, we just got to talk about these virtual meets because I just think I, I, it's so bizarre, but it, it's understandably so bizarre, you know? Like one team swims at one meet, one, uh, one place, one team swims at the other, and then they just – compare scores in theory that sounds like an easy idea but it's obviously clearly not I, i've been yes. to one and it's very confusing absolutely and swimming i think is a a sport of uh, like most sports a sport of great emotion and um you know i spoke with uh maddie bergen who i of north haven a star swimmer from north haven who i did a, fe a feature on last week and uh she told me that uh it's a big difference when um you're swimming these virtual meets because you're racing against the clock as opposed to the opponents in the pool next to you. And not being able to have uh, our opponents in the pool is a big difference. So you really have to mentally get yourself psyched up to just uh, race with your teammates uh, at a facility where there's no fans. And um, it's, uh, it's just a totally different uh, atmosphere than they're used to than they had been used to their, their whole swimming careers club swimming high school swimming so um they really had to adjust to that and i martha feeland her coach uh, told me that um they've talked about that a lot getting uh, the team and the correct mindset uh to swim these type of meets and to kind of step out of their comfort zone and um maintain that competitive nature and, you know, I, I spoke to the Darian coach, Marge Strapone, um, before the season. They're doing all in-person meets, but she was telling me, uh, she told me that she would see uh, virtual meets as being uh, difficult for swimmers to swim their best times because they like to be 
pushed uh, by that uh, swimmer next to them from the other team in the next lane. Yeah, I went to the, the Guilford uh, one against, I think it was against Laurelton Hall and, and Boring, I believe. And um, yeah, I was talking to, to the senior captains for Guilford, uh, Julia Earl and Haley uh, Moriarty. And they were just like, it's so weird. But what their coach did was used, she told me that she used the times from the year before and was kind of like, this is what they can swim. This is what you need to swim better than, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, in theory, that sounds great. And, you know, and using it as motivation is one thing, but actually thinking about it and then going into the pool and swimming when like, you're swimming against a teammate. It's just so weird. I mean, I give them all the credit in the world for doing it because, you know, it's their way for them to be able to play. And I think that that's very important. But also, it was very weird to be in attendance at, uh, at one because you're only shooting photos of one team. You're only shooting videos of one team. You can only talk to one team. And then at the end, the end of the meet, the coach was like, well – like I'll get you the sc the final score later tonight when I talk to the other coach and I'm like, cool. Right. Yes, in, in close in close meets between uh, two teams that are really uh, competitive with one another, they want to know who wins that meet uh, at the end of the meet, right? Instead of waiting a, a little while to find out. Yeah, like it takes that like, you know, some meets it gets down to like the final relay and they're like, well, if this team finishes in first and second, then they'll win. And literally everyone at the pool, every member of every team is lining the pool, clapping, cheering, like, and now you just don't know. Like, oh, we won by one, but you find out six laters after the meet is over. Right. And so many teams are doing virtual meets. I know the SCC, um, the only teams that are doing live meets in the SCC, uh, my knowledge are Amity, Hamden, Sacred Heart, I think Shelton and West Haven is in person. Everyone else in the conference is doing um, uh, the virtual meets, including yeah. uh, Powerhouse Cheshire. So uh, so many teams and the FCAC, uh, certain regions are doing um, doing virtual meets. The FCAC West region is doing all doing all in-person uh, meets, but most of the FCAC is doing uh, virtual meets. So so many schools are, uh, are having to uh, go through uh, this unprecedented season, you know, and, um, but they're happy to have a season. That's the one thing we've been hearing in all sports. We're happy to be in the pool. We're happy to be having this season and they're thankful for what they're getting. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is a, a great thing that they were able to um, get done. I know there was like divided, uh, people were divided on swimming being like, well, swimming is really close together and you can't really spread out in swimming. And then people are like, but they swim in chlorine. Mm -hmm. so, you know, as someone who's not a doctor, uh, I just, you know, listened to the experts and, and it, was a, it was a sport that was possible to be played and they're getting it done. I mean, has there even in the in-person meets, you've been to in-person meets, do they separate, are the, are the lanes uh, different yes. in any way? So I've been to three in-person meets so far, and uh, the, uh, the big difference is they're not alternating lanes. So you don't have um, a Greenwich swimmer in lane one, a New Canaan swimmer in game lane two, a Greenwich swimmer in lane three. You have you have you'll have uh, a new say New Canaan uh, goes up against Greenwich. You'll have New Canaan swimmers in lanes one to four, and Greenwich swimmers in lanes five to eight. 
that's a different look. Yeah, that I mean, because the middle lanes, as a as my you know, four or five, yeah, knowledge is the Olympics, and Michael Phelps was always in four or five because he was the best. Um, and isn't that having that advantage being in four and five is now kind of taken away? Right, those uh, the three, four, and five; those are the lanes uh, that normally you would have the swimmers with the uh, in championship meets, the top seeded swimmers, or in uh, dual meets, swimmers with the top times, and they would kind of push each other. Those are the swimmers, right? And yeah. so that's different. And yeah, uh, like the no waves, yeah. the waves in the middle kind of go to the sides as opposed to right. Up. Yeah, that's another. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so. Uh, that's a different look right there. And then um, the mat, there, there's mask wearing up until they uh, go to the block. The, the block. So, um, you know, they're spread out. They're wearing masks. There's no crowd, which I, I think is a big, uh, a big factor in swimming because yeah. uh, I, I talked to Megan Lynch, um, one of the top swimmers in the Greenwich's top swimmer in um, All-American. One, one of the best in the state. One of the best in the state, in the, in the nation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she, uh, she told me after their first meet against West Hill that uh, it was different without any uh, people in the stands because uh, she feeds off that energy of the crowd and makes her swim faster. Yeah. Uh, their next meet, she told me it was a little bit better. She got used to it, but um, that, that, I thought that was interesting how she uh, gets uh, psyched up by the crowd. And I think all the all these uh, swimmer athletes do. Yeah, I mean, when you're at a good swim meet or like a state open or a state meet at like Wesleyan or Southern or Yale I mean it gets loud in there and when you're like it's a you know a sprint towards the end I mean it is I thought I was going to get knocked into the pool like four or five right. times last time I was at the state open meet because all the teams are watching everyone's getting excited and they're just like on top of the pool and you're like I have a thousand dollar camera and I think what I'm wearing is nice clothes and I don't want to be at the bottom of the pool. How about that? How about that atmosphere at Yale? They all love that, and that's going to oh. be a shame they can't do that this year. Yeah, I mean, it's an old time stand. It's just a classic uh, uh, venue to have a state open. Yeah. Well, you brought up Megan Lynch, um, and I think you know if you're listening to this part of the show, you're a swimming fan, so you know who Megan Lynch is. Uh, she's awesome. Um, and uh, I, Dave did a, a story last week. She broke two more school records. She's one of the best swimmers. She might be the best swimmer in the state, like Dave mentioned. She's one of the best swimmers in the country. Uh, and she's right in Dave's backyard in Greenwich. So. And she's going to Stanford University, which won the um, NCAA uh, championship uh, when they last had it. So um, like Swimming at uh, Stanford's pretty good. Yes. And then uh, a lot of uh, standout swimmers so uh, far this season, um, a lot of swimmers who uh, – are coming off outstanding seasons. We mentioned Maddie Bergen. She broke. She actually she broke um, the uh, school's 500 freestyle record in oh, wow. the, uh, the last meet, I believe, against Amity. And uh, the record she broke was from uh, 1995, so 25-year record. And then uh, how did she start the season? She started the season by breaking the school's 100 butterfly record, 13-year uh, school record. And then that was the first meet of the season. And then their second meet, she broke uh, the 200 freestyle, uh, which lasted 15 years. So um, she, she's uh, a swimmer who every time she gets out there is <laughs> breaking records. And she, I think she has about five or six school records now. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, you brought up Stanford and where uh, uh, Megan uh, uh, Lynch is going. Mm -hmm. um, you, know, you know who swims at Stanford? Katie Ledecky. 
remember her from the Olympics? Yes, yes. I, wow. Yeah, she um, she's got what five gold medals in her career. Yes, she has a few in her. Uh, yeah, she got her her uncle her uncle's part owner of the New York Islanders. So she's uh, an so, which is uh, because of him. But yeah. Yes. But I mean, we have some pretty good swimmers in this state. I mean, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, Cheshire, um, Sophie Murphy is continuing to, she was a, a game time swimmer of the year last year. She's um, having an outstanding season this year. She swims in every event at 2 a.m., 100 breaststroke, 100 butterfly last year. And she was a state open champion, champion last year in the five, 50 freestyle and 100, and, um, 100 freestyle, so, which are her best events. So, um, She's still, still at Cheshire. She didn't graduate yet. No, so, she's a, she's well, a senior. Yeah. Like I've been reading her name because when I was at the Record Journal, we we covered Cheshire, and um, I mean I don't know how long ago that was, but I I remember when she was a freshman and a sophomore and was you know really really good. And, uh, maybe I thought she graduated. She clearly has not. So good for her. Good. Cheshire's always phenomenal. Yeah. And um, Hampton has a swimmer, Emma uh, Panaroni. Um, she's a senior. She's outstanding for them in multiple events. She's, um, she leads them each uh, race. Um, I did a feature a couple of weeks ago on Ridgefield. They have a, two swimmers, Riley Giles and Hannah Seward, who are going to Division I schools, um, Bucknell and uh, Northeastern. Uh, and uh, Nora Bergstrom of Cheshire, um, another versatile swimmer. Uh, leads the way for them. Laurelton Hall has Claire Cayley, um, big time freestylist. Uh, first meet of the season that uh, Mike Fornavio covered um, the virtual meet uh, involving Law. Would he would do that meet? Um, yeah, yeah, he was at the other side. I was. Okay. So they had the guy with McKenna Sharp, uh, two forty two seventy. She broke the school record. That was a nice, uh, nice uh, accomplishment to see. So there, there, there's uh, so many uh, good swimmers. I feel like each team has a, a several uh, really top, top uh, tier swimmers. Yeah, it's it's pretty great to see, and then you get to see them go on to these amazing schools and continue their careers and do a great job there. It right. is a lot of fun to see. Dave, thank you so much. I really do appreciate the time jumping on, filling me in on some of the great swimming going on in this state. I really appreciate it. Pete, thanks for having me. All right, we'll talk soon, Dave. Thank you so much to Dave, Dave, Dan, and Will for jumping on the show to talk about uh, all the different sports going on in Connecticut this year. We hope you enjoyed it. We are uh, hoping to bring it back later in the year as the schools and the teams head towards a um, state uh, postseason experience uh, with no state tournaments this year. But like all the reporters said, all the coaches are saying, and all the athletes are saying, they're just happy to be out there. And we're happy that they're out there as well. So we get to go and cover it and get to continue telling their stories. Um, but hope you guys enjoyed this uh, special episode. And uh, we'll be bringing it back to you guys soon. Later. <laughs>